You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everybody. This is episode 72 of Mission Lab coming to you from cold Bangor, Maine. I am your host, of course, Sean Brace. Today, I am very excited because I have a very good friend of mine. I'm really, really excited about this episode. And uh, the friend that I have with me on this episode, his name is James Moores. So welcome, James. Hello. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, James has had a very interesting journey, and we're just going to jump right into it. James, maybe just tell tell us briefly what you do right now as far as work, and um, we'll we'll then we'll back up and get to that point again. So tell me, what do you do? Right now, I run a soup kitchen for the Bangor Salvation Army. I, I have a soup kitchen, an outreach program. Um, I also work with a food pantry and all different kinds of stuff for for the Salvation Army. Okay, yeah. How many uh, people do you serve on a daily basis? We serve, on average, 100 people a day. Last year, we served over 27,000 meals. Wow. So That's awesome. And so, also, James, you are now an elder of our Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Bangor, and we're going to get to that right? because you've had quite an interesting journey. Why don't you just start off by telling us, um, you know, a little basic biographical information where were you born where did, where were you raised that sort of stuff I was uh, born in a small town in Texas um, I grew up a military brat my father was in the service for a very long time and um, I lived all over the world actually I lived uh, I, I lived in Germany um, all over the United States and we never settled in one spot long being a military family you just don't settle yeah you know so this is the longest I've been in one spot. How long, how long have you been in Maine? About 12 years this last stretch. This last, so you were here prior to this, but... I first to- moved to Maine in 93. Okay. And then I moved away four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> but you kept coming back. Yep. Yeah. So uh, growing up, was your family close? Were you religious at all? What was that? Um, my family was was completely against religion. Hmm. All religion. They didn't want to even talk about it, hear about it. Um, they they were just really cold to that idea. Like my brothers and I were close, but our our parents we were not very very authoritarian household. Mm. So mm-hmm. everything was by the books all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, once I became a teenager, I completely rebelled. Ah, you know. Yeah. So so, so then tell me about that. You rebelled. Um, um, and then you kind of get in, got into some trouble. Right, yeah. By the time I made it into high school, I was 14 when I started smoking cigarettes and drinking. Um, I mean, I used to drink alcohol on the way to school on a bus. Mm. So, like, and, and it just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. It got to the point where by the time I was 20, my parents wanted to put me in a rehab. And I wasn't even old enough to drink. <laughs> yeah, technically, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, when we moved to Maine, it kind of, my father retired from the military and we kind of moved in the middle of nowhere. And so they let us do whatever we wanted. And 
I remember the first time I was under the influence when I came home, and my mom was like, just don't let your dad see you, you know? <laughs> there would be and hell it, to pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, like, and it just, yeah, they, I mean, they it was, like, go from authoritarian household to you can do whatever you want, it's okay. Yeah. You know? So the extremes. Right, yeah. right. And then it just went from there, you know. I met somebody who didn't like drinking but was had no problem with using drugs. So it just went from one addiction to another. Mm-hmm. And um, before I knew it, I was deeply involved in, you know, prescription narcotics and heroin and stuff like that. I spent some time in Texas where I would actually go to Mexico and get drugs and bring them back mm-hmm. for my own use. Mm-hmm. Not, not to – I mean, I would – sell some to make money so i could go back to mexico but Mm -hmm. like i mean so i it got pretty extreme Mm -hmm. i mean i mean to the point where i've been hospitalized on a on on a few occasions because of my substance use wow so yeah i don't know i don't know why i'm still here (laughs) yeah man you you guy had a plan for you right right i it's it's weird because when i was a teenager like i i knew that there was definitely something more because the f- the first time I had like this really unique experience, I was I don't I can't remember how old I was, but I was driving my car and I just got it out of the shop because I hit a deer with it and and uh, I was doing 110 down the road and I lost control and wrecked my car and didn't even get hurt. Wow. Walked away without a scratch. Wow. And I was like, there's got to be something more to this because <laughs> this is not me. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I. I went from, you know, as a raising up with, you know, the life that I had lived previously, like I didn't have a a care for my life at all. Like Mm -hmm. if I died, it didn't matter. It's, you know, whatever. So like I didn't care to take risks. So because it wasn't a big deal, you know, I, I didn't have anything to lose, you know. So so I would take all the risks I could and. And there should be like only God's grace tells me that I should that I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a there's a job for me to do, and God's given it to me. You know, yeah. so there's yeah. no other way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so then you ultimately found yourself uh, at some point on the streets of Bangor. Right. Yeah. Right. I ended up um, ended up homeless after m- me and my first wife. We're together for a time, and I would actually sell drugs to pay for my rent until uh, my first wife actually started sleeping with people for drugs. And mm. then I just, I, I couldn't do that because even though being a, a drug addict and, and all this stuff that I was doing, I was always a very faithful person. So I couldn't, I just couldn't live with that. So we ended up splitting up, and, and I ended up spending a significant time homeless until I was sleeping on a park bench, and the cop found me and told me I wasn't allowed to be there and took me to the shelter, mm. which that's the first time I even knew that shelters were in Maine. <laughs> and uh, so I lived at the homeless shelter for three or four months, and um, during that time I'd gotten into some trouble and ended up in jail, which is nice (laughs) and um and when i woke up in jail i just spent the night and it was because i was under the influence and drunk in public and you know it's not a good mix and uh i woke up the next morning in a jail cell in a padded room because under the influence i apparently i had said stupid stuff (laughs) and um so they felt the need to keep an eye on me so i woke up and 
I just had it in my brain that I wasn't going to drink and I wasn't going to use drugs and I was going to go to college hmm. to do social work. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from my background, I always worked construction my whole life. Like, I never had aspirations to go to college. I didn't even want to go to college because, you know, I just knew I wasn't going to be smart enough to do college. And, um, and I just, when I woke up in that jail cell, that's what was the only thing that was on my mind. And I was like, I have to do this. And that started my journey. That <laughs> day, I got bailed out of jail, and uh, I went to the only college I could find and enrolled. Hmm. And I was on foot because, you know, I walked everywhere. And um, so they accepted me, you know, and I went through and got student loans and everything and went into college, and I had no idea how I was going to do it because, you know, I was a drug addict, and I didn't, you know, I just wasn't that smart you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty amazing um and it started my journey i i detoxed from drugs and alcohol living in a homeless shelter while i was attending college and um after a while i started couch surfing and got out of the shelter and um which made life a little easier because there was places i could store stuff and study and stuff like that mm-hmm. And uh, from there on, I just, you know, would roommate with people and stuff like that all the way through college. I got a job as a delivery driver halfway through college. Well, just after I graduated, I was trying to take another course, but I just, I I had to get moving on my life, you know, because mm-hmm. I just, I'd spent, you know, two years living as a homeless guy going to college. It was, it was very... Uh, very taxing it's you gotta you gotta change stuff after a while mm-hmm. and um and then uh, uh after a while i met somebody and moved in and we were living together and um i got a job at the shelter that i was living at mm-hmm. which was really amazing because uh, uh, you know it had been a year and i had i hadn't been at the shelter and so they hired me and it was <laughs> great and i worked there for three and a half years hmm. and um and then when I was in college, I interned, my did my internship at the Salvation Army. And while I was working nights at the, the shelter, I got a call one day and they said, oh, a position's opening up to, uh, to work in the social service department here at the Salvation Army. You want to you wanna take it? We're not offering anybody in, unless you don't want it, you know? And I was like, I'll be right down, mm-hmm. you know? Because I just felt like I needed to be there. And uh, that was almost six years ago. Hmm. And yeah, been there ever since. Wow! And now, now you're you're the you're the man there, and you you're serving all these these people. Well, I feel that when people look at homeless people, they they see less than people, mm-hmm. and coming from that background and having people look down on you half of your life, you know, I just felt that if I'm gonna be running this soup kitchen it's going to be a place where people can come regardless of where their background and they can be loved and respected Mm -hmm. you know they're not looked down on Mm -hmm. you know if they come in and they need a hug i give them a hug i don't care it doesn't matter who they are and what they smell like you know i just they are people and they need kindness yeah you know it's human nature it's the basics of life is is kind interaction you know warmth food you know yeah it's amazing 
You, you've told me, and maybe we just pause here for a little bit of advice. You've told me before, because we see homeless people all the time around town, and they want money, and they want this, and they want food. You've told me just stopping and just talking to them right. can be so... Right. Yeah, the, the homeless population gets such a bad rap, and people... There's such a stigma behind homeless people. Nobody wants to interact or talk to them because they're bad people or they're dirty people. Mm -hmm. And just sitting down and talking to somebody and interacting and, and engaging in their life for five minutes and showing your empathy towards what's going on in their life can make a huge difference because mm -hmm. we all need somebody to listen to. And that could, you know, greatly... Affect the way they see the world, you know, mm. just just sitting down and interacting with somebody that's a calming person mm. And you know, they might all go and jump off a bridge tonight because somebody cares about them mm. even for five minutes mm -hmm. You know, they might not uh, Go and make those wrong decisions. They might think twice, you mm -hmm. know, I I tell everybody a smile can change the world mm. And I believe that 100% mm -hmm. you know, I yeah. see it every day. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's awesome so fast forward a little bit. You meet a young lady, Jennifer. Yeah. And she's um, she's a part of this strange church called the Seventh-day Adventist <laughs> Church. Yes. And you start showing up to our services, and uh, eventually you say, yeah, I think I'm interested in joining right. that church. Like, I, I mean, working for the Salvation Army, like, it's a religious, you know, Organization. entity. And... Um, they're really amazing, the things that they do, but um, I was never really pushed into church at all. So I would just go to work every day, do what I felt in my heart I needed to do, mm -hmm. you know. And um, and then I met uh, Jennifer, and she would she came in as a volunteer, and, and we got to talking, and, like, we just hit it off. And she was like, I'd like you to come to church with me. You don't have to. But, uh, you know, I, I think it might be something you would you might like. And if you don't if you don't like it, you don't have to continue to go. And I went there and just the atmosphere was a lot different than any other church that I had ever tried to a attend, you know. And it was just it, it just felt like, yeah, this is something I'm, I should come back and check out. Like all this stuff, like I don't I don't know why I felt that way. Mm. Like it was just complete divine intervention. Mm -hmm. It wasn't me at all. Coming from a you know a background where my family would do everything impossible not to step foot into a religious area, mm -hmm. you know, um, I had no idea why I felt the urge. I just had to keep coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you and I, we we spent time studying, <clears throat> and eventually you became uh, you got baptized. Right. Can't remember how many years ago that was now. Maybe four years ago. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> James does not remember dates we have established firmly. <laughs> uh, but that's that's all right. There's lots of people like that. And so, but but then after you got baptized, you were kind of just like a lot of people, just, just kind of going through the motions. Right, right. You it would, seemed like I just became a warm body, <laughs> just come in every sabbath and and just doing what everybody else was doing which was it, nothing right and it just <laughs> it just became stagnant like it wasn't there there's got to be more mm -hmm. there's got to mm -hmm. be more mm -hmm. you know and um when you 
started talking about what was it the restart mm-hmm. um i just again had another uncontrollable urge like i i've got to be a part of this mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I spoke to you about it yeah. and said hey i want to be a part of this yeah you know yeah we went so so as we've documented on the podcast last i think it was march or april march um we had a big brunch a big business meeting to 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 pitch this idea of a restart and we had about 40 church members who were there which is huge turnout for us and we were wanting to form this um this committee quote-unquote steering committee where the steering committee would help guide the direction of the restart and literally there was only a single person that came up to me afterwards the volunteer right after <laughs> and it was james <laughs> and so yeah james like what you said just something what was just it that- after during that whole uh, brunch like you know hearing this it was i just felt like i needed to get involved mm-hmm. and usually i try to steer clear of responsibility <laughs> but like i just had this uncontrollable urge like i've got i didn't even talk to anybody about it beforehand i just was like i've got to go and say i want to be a part of this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um i think it was one of the best decisions i've ever made Mm. you know i Mm. mean it's clearly you know god's hand pushing me to do what he wants me to do yeah you know yeah and so we we started this steering committee there was one other person that eventually volunteered um, and then, so it was not a committee of three, though. There was, <laughs> we opened it up to everybody, and we just said, "Hey, everybody, come!" And so, for about eight weeks, um, we met each week, and James was a part of that every week. And I have to tell you, James, the things that you shared, I felt like, wow, it's like this guy has gone through all of this missional training. <laughs> like he, like he already knows this stuff. And I was just like, my, my. Uh, my mind was boggled by the incredible insights that you brought to the group and um just the yeah the perspective that you brought and you recognized that church needed to be different than just showing up once a week i mean talk talk to me a little bit more about how you how you came to understand that and and um, well like i had gone to the church for a significant amount of time and i'd only met maybe less than a quarter of the the people that go to church on a regular basis and actually knew who they were Mm -hmm. like they would come and they would go to church and then they would get up and leave and it was like you know the this this there's got to be something more to this this Mm -hmm. is not this doesn't seem right that you know i could go to church for years and not know anybody you know Mm -hmm. and i just felt like people would be people would just say oh you have an inspirational story and it's like how do you know how do you know my how do you know if my story is inspirational if you've never actually sat down and talked to me yeah like you don't know who i am as a person i mean i could be just telling all these stories just to tell them you know Mm -hmm. like you you don't know who i am Mm -hmm. and i just felt like there's it's got to be more than that you know if this is gonna you know church is family then you know the family's got to be close you know yeah. and I, I coming from a family that's not close you know that doesn't you know talk to each other or interact with each other for years on end you know i strive and i long for that closeness mm-hmm. you know and i was just like that's got to be a thing you know mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. 
it's got to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So after we went through that whole process, um, one of the things that we did was we formed a new leadership team. And I sat on a committee that was set to nominate um, the leadership. And there was literally a single person. Everybody else made their suggestions. And I just stayed out of it. And I let the spirit you know, move. There was a single person that I whose name I submitted to be an elder. <laughs> Do you know whose name that was, James? <laughs> I was assuming it's mine. I was when you asked me that, I was like, "Are you sure you're talking to the right guy?" You know, because <laughs> like for me, that's that's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was a little nervous. Like, that's a big responsibility coming from you know a background where I come from, where nobody really cares about you, mm-hmm. to where people want you to be a part of something that's huge. Yeah. You know. That's a big deal. Yeah. You know, people all the time say, oh, you do amazing things. And it's like, no, I'm just doing me. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I've come to learn in the last year or so that I have to be continuing, continuously active in the church to grow my faith. Because if I'm not active, I've just become a stagnant one body. Mm-hmm. And, and that just, for me, that doesn't work. Yeah. I, I have to be doing something and, and stay motivated. And so this is one way that keeps me on point. Even when, like, I'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go out. It's too cold. I don't want to leave the house. But I have to because I said I would do this, yeah. you know. And, yeah. it, and, and it keeps me growing yeah. as a person and spiritually, you know, with God. Like, mm-hmm. I've, never, I've never experienced all of this stuff in the last five years have been the most amazing blessings that I've ever experienced in my life. Mm. And before that, I would, I would shun religion, you know, because of my experiences. And like now it's like, I can't live my life without it. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. like I, I can't go without, you know, telling somebody like you've, you've got to, you know, you got to give it to God and talk to him a little bit and mm-hmm. let him give you some advice. You know, I was actually talking with somebody today who uh, I'm not going to name any names, but mm-hmm. uh, she was taking a family member's child because of, you know, substance issues. And um, I was like, I just always pegged her as somebody who wasn't religious, you know, mm-hmm. and she was like, can you pray for me? I says, I always I never thought you would say something like that to me and she was like well yeah I, I used to go to church on a regular basis and I was like well why why aren't you going to church now you know and she's like well it's just you know it's hard to find a church where you can be comfortable I says well I said you would love our church and it's right down the road from where you live oh really <laughs> I says you and your husband should come and, and just try it out you don't no commitments mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. just see if you're comfortable you know, mm-hmm. and I said, it's on Saturday. And she says, that would work really good. I said, well, then there's no excuse why you can't come then. Mm-hmm. Just try it out. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see her. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, so yeah, like when, when I shared your name and I said, oh, yeah, you know, we're asking James to be an elder. You know, some people say, well, does James even know what we believe? You know, <laughs> does he? I said, well, we've gone through studies, but you know, to what degree you retained all that, right? Um, you know, is is another matter. But um, yeah, I mean, you you may not be able at this second, right, to to explain all of the 
ins and outs of our theology. Right. But then again, I probably would guess that many people who have been Seventh-day Adventists their whole life can't do that either. Right. But you are learning as you go as well. Right. And you're like a sponge. Right. And um, one of my favorite parts so far of the journey is about, I don't know, four months ago, you came up to me and told me, so-and-so asked me a question. Right. And, and you know, we, we don't need to mention the person's name if we don't want to, but um, what did he ask you? You know what story I'm talking about. He asked you if if you could help him study. Right. Yeah. He, he uh, oh, let me try to remember. He asked me um, if, if, if we, if we're going to do Bible studies, like if I could answer questions for him and like, I like to say that I'm not a smart guy. Everybody else tells me I'm wrong, but <laughs> I, I looked at him. I said, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. But if it's a question that I know, I can help you with it. And if it's not, what I can do is I can get the answer and then we can talk about it at mm-hmm. a later date. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, I don't know everything. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm still learning and I, it's, it's fun to learn, mm-hmm. but... You know, it takes time, mm-hmm. you know. And so he asked you to give him Bible studies. Right, and, right. <laughs> yeah, we, and, and you're like, me? <laughs> right, yeah. I was, I was, I'm, I'm still a little nervous because, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a preacher or anything like that. <laughs> but, you know, I, feel, I felt really honored that the fact that he, uh, this person would be like, you know, I really would like for you to do it. And it's like. Mm-hmm. Again, are you sure you're talking to the right guy, you know? Like, and so far, he's been really blessed, and, you know, he came and, and told me after our first Bible study, he's like, you know, my my mind was in, in a negative spot, and after that Bible study is, you know, it, 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 I feel a lot better, mm. and, and I want to thank you for that. And I was like, thank me for what, dude? I didn't mm. do anything, mm-hmm. you know? And... um that just tells me I'm doing something right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's blessing other people. Yeah. You know, and I believe that if you can change one person's life and, and, and change it for the better, mm-hmm. then that's your mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even if it's just one person your whole life, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. that's your mission. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you were saying as well that um, there was some question like, the only God I know is an angry oh. God. and. Well, well, one of the one of the gentlemen, because I have a two gentlemen that come to the Bible study, and uh, one of them was in a different. He he uh, grew up in a different religion, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, apparently that religion was you know says that God's a smiteful God, and he, you know don't cross God or mm-hmm. or he'll smite you, and and he was like, why is God so angry? <laughs> and I was like. I've never seen an angry God. <laughs> I said, uh, the only God I know is knows love and, you know, and, and caring. Like, I've never seen an angry God, mm. you know? Mm. And it kind of it kind of just struck me, like, I've never heard anybody say that God was angry. But, you know, I mean, I haven't had time to research angriness <laughs> in God, but, like, I don't know if I want to because I like the God that I know now, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad that that's been your experience because, <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, that tells me that the God that you've encountered, um, you know, in our community of faith has been a positive one. And and um, that just sh- says that you're encountering, I think, the God of Scripture. 
Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, you've been, been continuing those studies, and um, I know you've, you were expressing to us last week that it's just all about discipling people. It's all right. about making disciples. And, and right. yeah, sometimes I hear you talking, and again, I say, oh, man, it feels like you've been to a school of discipleship or something. <laughs> no. How, how have you picked up, you know? Like, I think um, it's just instilled in me. Like, if you got something that is great for people to know, mm-hmm. then you need to tell people about it, you know? And, like, I'm not a very reader-friendly person, but I've been uh, educating myself. And, like, when when Jesus started out, he started out with disciples, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he told the disciples to go out and and spread the gospel yeah right mm-hmm. why aren't we doing that yeah. <laughs> you know like that's that's what we gotta do mm-hmm. that's what the bible says this is what you do and you know like jesus says to live a life of loving care and spread the word of god okay well that's what i gotta do that's my mission so mm-hmm. you know that's just the way i see it yeah. you know yeah no. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, preach it, brother. I think um, what, what I love so much about you, James, and I've shared this before, but you're just like a blank canvas in some ways. Like you don't have some of that baggage that other people have religiously. Like you weren't raised with an angry God. You just right. weren't raised with a God at all. And so like you weren't raised in a religion that promotes just passive consumerism. Right. You coming into our community of faith have now experienced um, an approach where it talks about being on mission and being a disciple who makes disciples and just talking about the love of Jesus. And so you're you're hungry to learn and you want to be active. And I know, you know, you are, we have uh, elders and each is placed for, um, based on their gifting and your gifting is evangelism, like yeah. going out and spreading the word and making a difference. And so that's what I hear you saying right now. Let's right. just do it. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Like, is, is, I mean, the, the path is laid out in this wonderful book, mm-hmm. like in the book, isn't like really complicated. It's just a simple way to live your life and mm-hmm. do the right things and be kind and loving and, and share that with people. That's as that's that's as simple as it gets, you know. <laughs> and why can't we do that and just talk to people? <laughs> hey, listen, this is where I get my life. Like mm. people ask me, why are you so kind to me? So because God asked me to be. Mm. That's as, it's that simple, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. My faith tells me I I should be kind and loving to all of my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Not just the ones that have you know great jobs or the ones that are you know, high in society and stuff like that. It's to be everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, even the ones that don't have a house, even the ones that can't read, even the ones that are disabled, treat everybody with love, kindness and respect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I was doing that before I started and I didn't understand that that's what I was doing, Mm -hmm. you know, because when I, when I started, getting into uh the homeless outreach and the stuff like that it was because i wanted to i wanted to help my fellow people and and i really struggle with the idea of me not being a homeless person anymore because i still see myself as this homeless guy on the streets and um one story that's really profound to me was 
uh, I was working in the shelter and a guy that I had known from the streets was staying at the shelter. And he says, you know, you come from the streets. He says, you're always going to be on the streets. Hmm. And I said, I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. And ever since I had to drive to be on the streets and just helping people, giving people the yeah. kindness and love that they, they need, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I learned about this in the Bible and I was like, well, I'm doing this stuff already. This is easy. Because <laughs> before you learn the Bible, you have this, uh, like, when you come from a non-religious background, you have this, well, that's a whole way of life. And that's going to be really hard to integrate, you mm. know, get into doing. You know, you can't do this and you got to do this. And, you know, it, there's all these rules. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really, the, you know, it can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to sit down and learn about it and then be like, well, I do this stuff every day already. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. I, can, I can totally do this, you know, and then learn about God and, and how he wants, you know, everybody to just care about each other. Mm. And, and then, you know, give them the word why you care. Why do you care about everybody? Because God, this this wonderful Bible tells me this. You, if you if you want to learn more, you can just sit down and we talk about it sometime. You know, and it's a great segue. Mm-hmm. Just being nice to people is a great segue to telling them about God. Yeah, that's right. Live life in such a way that it demands a gospel explanation. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And James, I, I've shared this with you before, but. Um, I have a, a group of friends who are come from the Jewish community, yep. and they always I, I hang out with them, and they have a group that comes in and helps serve at the Salvation Army. I don't know once a month, once a week, whatever, and they're always going on. Oh, we love James, so you're <laughs> you're uh, you're making an impression on people who come to serve alongside you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Well, so you, they're my team. I can't I can't do it without it. Um, with how the how the soup kitchen works is i i'm blessed enough to get be employed to be able to do what i do but i'm the only person that gets employed to operate and manage a soup kitchen and so we work with lots of different religious organizations and non-religious organizations to come in and cook and help prep and help clean and in in the soup kitchen every day of the week six days a week so mm-hmm. that's kind of a little back history and it's <laughs> And it's worked great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And coming up, you are going to have uh, sermon number two in a few weeks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> How's that coming along for you? I I have tried not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you work best in that. I, I, I do best when I wing it. Like public <laughs> speaking is almost like a, you know, it's a, it's got its pros and cons. Like, I grew up a very quiet and shy person. I made class mute in my senior yearbook. <laughs> and then I, when I got into college and uh, I was taking substance abuse courses, I found my voice and I actually was supposed to do a 45-minute presentation on, uh, on uh, substance abuse. And I ended up taking over the class for three hours and got a really bad grade because of that. But, like, I found my voice and... I, I do public speaking on a regular basis in my soup kitchen and stuff like that. But like when people are looking at you for, you know, religious advice when you're standing up in front of, you know, the church and 
That's a little more intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> so best not to think about it at all. Just, um, yeah. yeah he, 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 as, we, as I've shared, we're, we're going to spend some time. Um, I'll do a little coaching for you. And, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that would be detrimental. I don't know. I don't know. I figured after the first time, I was like, they'll never ask me to do that again. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, when we were in that that committee that was trying to think of uh, leaders, one of the individuals, Ben, um, who was on the committee, he just said, I don't know. He said, all I know is when James talks, I listen. Like, he has an experience. He has a story. He has He has something powerful to share. And so... You have that's amazing because yeah. to me it's like nothing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and as I said, James, I can see in the future, I can see ministry, paid <laughs> ministry in your future. Well, you are minute being paid now to minister, but um, maybe down the road you'll you'll be a a lay pastor or something. I think I, you know, I, I've come to the point of my religious growth to where I wouldn't say it's not possible because (laughs) if it's something God asked me to do, Mm -hmm. I will not deny it, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's the way the last year has been. Like, Mm -hmm. I won't say no to something if I feel like it's compelling that I need to do it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I would just be like, no, I don't want to be, that's Mm -hmm. too much. That's too much. Yeah. And, and if it feels like it's too much for me, I'll, I'll give it to God and say, listen, like, I'm really stressed out about this. What do you need me to do mm-hmm. to to make this, you know, work and and do it the way you want me to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and he always finds a way. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. So That's awesome. Well, stay tuned, folks. We may have Pastor James Morris on <laughs> in another three or four years. Well, James, anything else before we close? God is great. God is great. That's that's the bottom line. And James, thanks for being on with me. Uh, we've been trying to set this up for a while, but finally worked out. We've had sicknesses we've dealt with. We've had, you know, your kids sick, my kids sick, all that. Me sick, you sick. But we finally <laughs> made it work. And so thanks for being on, James. And I hope you have been inspired, those of you who are listening. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. We'll have more more uh probably stories from james's journey but thank you james for thank being you on. yeah take care everybody we'll catch up with you next week thank you for listening to mission lab our theme song is portland hike by tiny music additional editing by chris ogay follow us on twitter at m lab podcast